Welcome to episode number 168 of the Northern Miner Podcast. It is a new decade, a new year. My name is Adrian Pocabelli. I am online editor and I also help out with social media for the Northern Miner and I also help host this podcast. And yeah, fasten your seatbelts. What a news flow. With increased intensity in the Middle East, gold and oil have benefited. But we'll see how the other commodities performed in the metals prices section. There is a new all-time high. I will tell you about it shortly. And that is coming up later in the show. This episode, we are going to feature Shelby Yee, who is co-founder and CEO of Rockmass Technologies. And she spoke at the Progressive Mind Forum in Toronto in October. And she has a really interesting, what I would call, blueprint for how mining companies and startups can work together. Uh, I think a lot of mining companies would like to work with startups, and big or small. I don't think there's that many people who don't want to work with a startup, but I think there's a real difference between wanting something like that and knowing how to do it. Like, I mean, where do you start? Do you do a search on Google and you start emailing people and asking if you want to work with me? So that's kind of a difficult thing. And what I love about Shelby's presentation is she really just lays out a blueprint on how to find a startup, like you know, such as going to the Mars Accelerator and this sort of thing. And also, she also talks about how you know she worked with a mining company, Nexa Resources, and how they were able to structure their relationship. So they would have a half-hour meeting every week and this sort of thing. So she really gets into the practical elements of working with a startup and how that would work. And I think that's just incredibly useful because, again, it all sounds good that you're going to work with a startup, but a lot of people get stuck on, okay, now what do I do if I want that? And maybe they just don't know how. So here is a great little resource. And I guess the final thing that I really liked that she discusses, she also discusses the whole issue of intellectual property and this kind of tension between like let's say you're a mining company and you kind of decide you want to partner up with some startup it's important as she says to create these win-win type situations maybe the mining company for whatever reason wants all the intellectual property so none of the competitors can take advantage and she was saying that there has to be a balance between the startup and the mining company and really the startup has to benefit as well she also talks about that which i think is extremely important. So it's, again, I'm calling this a blueprint. It's a nice blueprint for how mining companies and startups can work together. So that is our feature content. And also coming up this week, we have the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame. And sorry, there are no more tickets available. So I hope you got yours ahead of time because it looks like it's a sold out show. And that is happening this Thursday, January 9th, 2020 at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And there is a reception at 5.30, dinner at 6.30, and business attire or black tie. That is two days away. PDAC is a mere seven and a half weeks away, if you can believe that. And uh, they have all sorts of opportunities for students. I was looking at their Twitter feed. I follow it. So it was the Northern Miner. And yeah, they have a ton of opportunities for students. So for all of the students that are listening to this program, I would check out that Twitter feed. Just go to the PDAC uh, Twitter feed. Take advantage. I mean, it's one of the great things about university is really the networking. You can create relationships and people give you opportunities simply because you're young. So you don't get that forever. Okay, so take advantage of that stuff. Also, it's just the greatest networking thing. People don't have 
extremely high expectations because they know you're just sort of getting your feet wet. So you have to just take absolute advantage of that. Be really nice to everybody and, you know, see where that goes. So check out the PDAC Twitter feed. And speaking of feeds, you can find us online at northernminer.com. You can find us on Twitter at Northern Miner and on Instagram at The Northern Miner and on Facebook, YouTube, where we are now posting this show and LinkedIn. And turning to the website, I gotta say, like, a lot of what's going on out there is just some of my favorite themes. I mean, our headline right now is Newmont Refreshers Brand Raises Dividend by 79%. And I just find this, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I just find this so interesting. Uh, Newmont, I sort of, I was talking about this in a previous episode. Like, I sort of see Newmont as the kind of blue chip of choice for U.S. hedge fund investors who want to get coverage in gold. And the moves that they made that are reported in this story, I think just really echo that. They're doing stock buybacks. They've raised their dividend 79% and they already had, let's see, they already have a 1.29% dividend. So they're going to raise that. It'll probably be like a 2.3 or something. There is a sense that, put it this way, I think a lot of financial advisors, particularly in the States, grew a little suspect of gold companies. And I think even the mining industry itself, and not just gold companies, I mean mining companies, but particularly gold companies, I think. But uh, there was a sense that their house was not in order that they're making sort of crazy acquisitions. It's kind of reflective of the cyclicality of the mining industry. And when the times are good, people tend to overpay for projects. And I think there was a sense, say, 10 years ago, that the industry lacked discipline and that it really needed to get its house in order. And increasingly what I'm hearing from commentators is that that's what a lot of companies have been doing. And I think Newmont kind of epitomizes this, where it's not about some projected forward hopeful thing. It's like, what is your cash flow? You know, or what is your dividend? And, and, you know, and I think there's no time to waste for mining companies because, again, ESG, environmental, uh, social and governance, this whole thing that we had on a previous episode is becoming incredibly important for uh, investing, uh, say for pension funds, or I'm not sure if hedge funds, uh, but you know, like for large scale institutions, ESG is coming in and you're almost seeing like this backdoor legislation. It's because it's not being done politically, the environmental stuff so much, but you are starting to see it through the culture of what gets invested in uh, financial institutions because there are just higher expectations now. And there are people who are involved in these institutions that want a certain degree that, that these things are being taken care of, that these things are being looked at. And I think the mining industry and the oil industry, like these guidelines that are put out are not, it's not just saying, you know, it's not putting up a nice website and saying you're going to clean the water. It's, I think they're pretty stringent guidelines and from what I'm understanding. So it's not just as simple as saying you're going to do better. So it's, it's actually pretty tough from my understanding for these mining companies and oil companies to actually match those objectives. So 
What I see here with Newmont is a very wise, well-run company, and I think they're just, yeah, they're doing everything right from the position of the financial investor people because, again, they're, they're, it's all about the business and cash flow, and if you're going to be competing against these tech companies, nobody cares about your resource. <laughs> You know, it's like, what are you making now? You know, so anyways, uh, let's look at this story. Newmont kicked off the second week of January with an announcement that it's dropping Gold Corp from its name. And it's also raising its quarterly dividend 79% to 25 cents per share or a dollar per share a year starting in April in line with its commitment to return cash to shareholders. In addition, the company says it plans to continue its recently announced stock repurchase program for up to $1 billion of common equity. In the three months ended December 31st, the company retired 12.4 million shares worth $506 million. In 2019, Newmont returned about $1.4 billion to its shareholders. It's pretty good for a gold company. In other news... Newmont completed the sale last week of its 50% stake in Kalgoorlie Consolidated Gold Mines to Australia's Northern Star Resources for $800 million in cash. It also made prior agreements to sell Red Lake assets for $375 million and its Continental Gold Holding for $260 million. The company expects to receive $1.4 billion in cash proceeds in the first quarter altogether. They have also updated their guidance following the divestiture and said it expects production of 6.4 million ounces gold this year and between 6.2 million ounces and 6.7 million ounces per year through 2024. So holding steady. And all in sustaining costs are unchanged at $975 per ounce for 2020 and $850 to $950 per ounce in 2021 and 2022. So that's quite low, $850 per ounce. And these costs are forecast to drop to $800 to $900 per ounce in 2023 and 2024. So Newmont is really amping up to become a financial vehicle uh, for these uh, U.S. hedge funds. That's sort of my editorial on that. They are ramping up. They are amping up. So that is Newmont. Uh, Really, to me, that's an exciting headline. And they refreshed their brand. They got rid of the Gold Corp. There's a little too many syllables in there, the Newmont Gold Corp. So I think that's also well done. So very interesting news from Newmont. And next up, we have a story. China's JCHX takes stake in Cordoba Minerals. And yeah, I mean, this is what we're discussing. This is a constant drumbeat. And you'll you'll notice uh, China, it's just like this continual acquisition is what I was saying the last uh, story, which is about six weeks ago. It's almost like a six to eight week who knows? Maybe this is random. This is pure speculation, but I mean, there is a pattern. If you eliminate everything and you just look at the news flow, uh, you see about a six to eight week uh, lag between each of these acquisitions of sorts or investments. And it's never like taking over an entire company. It's usually 20%. But you should see the terms on this. The terms are very interesting. So let's take a look at this story. Uh, Cordoba Minerals says a strategic investment from China's JCHX Mining Management, which specializes in underground mine development and construction, should close before the end of January. JCHX is currently completing underground development work in the Democratic Republic of Congo. 
at the Kamoa Kakula Copper Project, which is jointly operated by Ivanhoe Mines and China's Zijin Mining Group. It's supposed to be a massive, massive deposit. The Chinese company, which also does contract mining and R&D on mining technologies, agreed late last year to take a 19.9% stake in Cordoba to advance the Canadian company's San Mateus Copper Gold Silver Project in Colombia. HPX, a privately owned U.S. corporation led by CEO and Chairman Robert Friedland, will remain Cordoba's majority shareholder with 60% of the project. So Friedland is doing another deal here. Under an agreement signed in mid-November 2019, JCHX will acquire 91 million shares of Cordoba through a private placement at a price of 12 cents per share for gross proceeds of $11 million. JCHX will be entitled to nominate one person to Cordoba's board of directors based on a 19.9% stake in the company and will be entitled to appoint other nominees up to a maximum of 20% of the board seats based on its shareholding. The Chinese company will also be granted anti-dilution rights to allow it to maintain its ownership interest and have a right of first offer. These are the terms I was telling you about and have a right of first offer to be appointed the engineering procurement construction contractor in connection with any future mining contracts at San Matias. It will also have a right of first offer in respect of any sale of an equity interest in the project. So once you have the right of first offer of any sale of any equity interest in the project, even though you only own 19.9% of the company, you potentially own a heck of a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of leverage in that 19.9%, let's put it that way, based on these terms. Cordoba plans to use the funds to complete work necessary to secure mining approvals for the project. And yeah, just a little bit of background too. Cordoba acquired 100% of San Matias from HPX in July 2017, and HPX is Robert Freeland's company, in exchange for a 60% ownership stake in the company. The company also has a 35% interest in Bell Copper's Perseverance Porphyry Copper Project in Arizona. And Cordoba is trading at 11 cents per share within a 52-week trading range of 4 cents to 14.5 cents. Uh, the junior has a $40.2 million market capitalization. So, I mean, when you see these companies trading for 4 cents, I mean, I guess it was 11 cents, but it had a low of 4 cents. You know, to be fair... Who else is investing the money? And it's a free market. Anybody can invest. So it's nothing, there's, you know, no rules are being broken here. Okay. So China's JCHX takes stake in Cordoba Minerals. Check it out on the Northern Miner website and just keep up to date on all things acquisition. It's basically more M&A too, uh, which has been a huge amount of M&A in the last year. And we have another M&A story. This is Alamos Gold takes stake in Red Pine. And for a mere $1.9 million, Alamos Gold has spent $1.9 million for an 11% stake in Red Pine Exploration on an undiluted basis and 19.99% on a partially diluted basis. The investment was part of a private placement of flow-through and non-flow-through units that Red Pine closed on December 31st. The proceeds will be used for exploration on the Junior's Wawa Gold Project, two kilometers southeast of the town of Wawa, Ontario, and 40 kilometers southwest of Alamos Gold's Island Mine. Quentin Yari, Red Pine CEO, said the addition of Alamos as a strategic investor was, quote, a major step in validating the project 
is a top-tier exploration property. He continues, we believe that Alamos Gold was interested in Red Pine's Wawa Gold project given its proximity to its island gold mine. Acquired via its $936 million acquisition of Richmond Mines in November 2017, which has become a major expansion project for Alamos with significant discoveries at depth. Yari says in an email to the Northern Miner, he continues, the prolific gold-producing region has been a focus amongst intermediates and majors of late. Following the growth in West Elm Gold Mines, Eagle River Complex, and Newmont Gold Corp Sporden Mine, which began commercial production in October 2019. And it also says here Alamos has three operating mines in North America, Young Davidson and Island Gold in Northern Ontario, and Mulatos in Mexico Sonora State, and it also has development stage projects that span Canada, Mexico, Turkey, and the United States. There's quite a bit in this article. I'm going to just go to the end here where Yari is continuing, the CEO. Alamos's participation in Red Pine's private placement demonstrates their belief in the Wawa Gold Project's potential and adds technical merit to a project we have long believed had untapped resource expansion opportunities. Red Pine now has the funds required to complete a detailed exploration and drilling campaign in 2020, testing several high-quality targets along strike and at depth below 350 meters, where little drilling has been completed to date. At press time in Toronto, Red Pine was trading at $0.05, within a 52-week range of $0.02.5 and $0.08. And the company has a $24 million market capitalization. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not expensive, so why not? So Alamos Gold takes stake in Red Pine. And finally, let's look at our top stories of 2019. This is an editorial by Trish Saywell, our acting editor-in-chief and senior reporter. And she lists the top stories, according to the Northern Miner, of 2019. And so I'll just go through those quickly. There's, of course, the Valley's tailings dam failure. Uh, dam 1 of Valley's... Feiyao iron ore mine in Brazil's Minas Gerais state collapsed on January 25th, killing 270 people. About 11.7 million cubic meters of mining waste buried several valley buildings, including a cafeteria where employees were eating lunch. Yeah, just one of the saddest stories of the year. And so that's valet. Uh, another sad story is Kirk Woodman, Vice President of Exploration for Vancouver-based private gold explorer Progress Minerals, was found dead on January 16th after being abducted a day earlier. He was kidnapped near the village of Tia Bongu in Burkina Faso, and his body was found in Gorom Gorom, within the Sahel Reserve in the country's northeasternmost area near the borders with Mali and Niger. Yeah, Burkina Faso, uh, unfortunately, keeps being in the mining news in a negative way this year and also there is another Burkina Faso story the ambush near Samafo's Bungu mine an attack on a convoy of five buses carrying workers to Samafo's Bungu mine in southeastern Burkina Faso killed 39 people and injured 60 of those killed 19 were employees of Australian mining services provider Parenti Global and two worked for Geodrill the convoy, escorted by military personnel, came under fire on a public road about 40 kilometers from the mine site. Yeah, Burkina Faso. And continuing, Barrick and Newmont form Nevada JV. I mean, yeah, a year ago at PDAC last March. I mean, that was definitely the talk of the convention. Barrick had their new CEO from Rand Gold, Mark Bristow. 
he got going pretty quickly with trying to take over Newmont, and he was unsuccessful, but only partially unsuccessful, as they did end up with a joint venture. You know, once they, it really does help. Scrutiny and getting a lot of shedding light on situations did lead to a good result, as there were inefficiencies between Newmont and Barrick with their, all their projects in Nevada, and it looks like they solved that by creating a joint venture in Nevada. I'll just read a little bit from the summary. Barrick Gold abandoned its hostile takeover bid for Newmont Mining in March, and the two miners formed a joint venture on their Nevada assets called Nevada Gold Mines. Barrick is operator and owns 61.5% of the joint venture, and Newmont owns the other 38.5%. The joint venture includes Barrick's Gold Strike, Cortez, Turquoise Ridge, and Gold Rush, and Newmont's Carlin, Twin Creeks, Phoenix, and Long Canyon projects. The joint venture is expected to capture $500 million in average annual pre-tax synergies in the first five years. Gotta love those synergies. So it's pretty good. They're saving money by working together. Other stories is the M&A mania that is going on, and I think that's a fair characterization. A dizzying array of deals swept the sector, the highlights in chronological order. It's almost too long to go through all this. Go to northernminer.com, go to top stories of 2019. It's an editorial, and you will see a very long list of all the M&A deals that occurred. And I'm not going to take us through that. Just go to northernminer.com. Another story was U.S. China trade war. And of course, that was a major theme of the year. And then, of course, the Chile protests. No shortage of drama in 2019, was there? Then also, this is an interesting choice, uh, editor's choice. Argentina court upholds glacier protection law. In a landmark ruling in June, Argentina's Supreme Court upheld the country's 2012 glacier protection law. And I imagine that would be quite significant for Argentina's mining sector. Lundine Gold ships gold from Fruta del Norte, and my favorite, Ecuador, is back in the news here. Lundin Gold explored the first gold concentrate in Dore Bars from its Fruta del Norte mine in southeastern Ecuador. And Stornoway's creditors keep Renard Diamond mine on life support. And that's just another one of my favorite themes. Diamonds, uh, Stornoway Diamond and its creditors reached a deal that will see the Renard Diamond Mine in Quebec operate during corporate restructuring after the company's failure to generate positive free cash flow in 2019. Renard is the first diamond mine in Quebec and only one of six in Canada. And there's also some notable mentions. That, uh, these are pretty interesting as well. Five coal companies filed for bankruptcy. Indonesia advances nickel export ban. Bolivia clashes and Evo Morales resignation. Banro calling force majeure in the DRC, which means they could cancel the contract because of so-called acts of God in the insurance parlance. Uh, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency removes proposed restrictions on mining in Alaska's Bristle Bay. And Namaska Lithium files for creditor protection. Some great choices there. That can all be looked at in detail on northernminer.com. Look for editorial top stories of 2019. And with that, let's turn the metal prices. Turning to metal prices and our friends at Infomine.com, if you're ever looking for these prices, simply go do a search on metal prices and Infomine into Google and you will get this page. And on January 7th, 
We have gold at $1,568.42. That is approximately $46 higher. It kind of had a bump on that news out of the Middle East. Maybe a bump is putting it too mildly. Gold is quite strong here at $1,568. That's a January 7th quote. Silver is at $18.18. It's only 12 cents higher than last week's quote. Platinum is at $971.51. It's about $2 higher than last week. Palladium is at a new all-time high. It's at $2,042.53. That is $118 higher than last week. It's pretty impressive. It's higher than gold's all-time high, as far as I understand. So it's palladium at $2,042.53, a new all-time high for our quotes. On January 3rd, copper is at $2.76, and that is $0.06 below last week's quote. Aluminum is at 80 cents, which is a penny lower than last week's quote. Lead is at 86 cents, which is a penny lower. Nickel is at $6.23, which is 12 cents lower than last week. Tin is at $7.60, which is 16 cents lower than last week. And cobalt is at $14.52. That is also about 22 cents lower than last week. And zinc is unchanged at $1.04. So... Really, other than palladium and gold, kind of tepid. I mean, silver and platinum rose a little bit. The industrial metals all kind of declined a little bit, but nothing overly dramatic. So always interesting to see how the metals react to these dramatic events in the news. So those are your metal prices. And coming up, we have Shelby Yee who is co-founder and CEO of Rockmass Technologies. And she spoke at the Progressive Mind Forum in Toronto last October. And she lays out a blueprint for how mining companies and startups can work together. And just a little bit about her company, Rockmass brings underground data collection and analysis into the next era, starting with rock mechanics. It streamlines and improves the quality of data collection for underground mines. And Shelby gives some very practical advice on how a mining company can work with a startup and what a good working relationship might look like. If this is your thing, you may want to take some notes because very useful information here. And she is introduced by Northern Miner Group publisher, Anthony Vaccaro. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you on the other side. We're very excited to have Shelby Yee as our next presenter. Shelby is the CEO and co-founder of Rockmass Technologies. She's currently working with mining companies to digitize and streamline their data collection processes to enable real-time decision-making. Also, a little bit about Shelby herself. She has a geotechnical engineering degree and combines that with a really strong business acumen. She's recently won several innovation and hardware awards, and she is an alumna of HAX, the world's leading hardware acceleration institution. Please join me in welcoming Shelby. Hi, 
everyone, and thank you for the introduction. My name is Shelby, and I am one of the co-founders of Rockmass. And I'll talk a little bit about my company today, but I really want to share with you how and why mining companies and startups can work together to bring new technologies into our industry. Rockmass, we're focused on data collection and solutions that are very fast, easy, and accurate to use for underground mining companies. Very specifically, we are working with ground control engineers right now and serving the Canadian and the, the Brazilian markets. In the 1970s, NASA created the technology readiness level scale. And the objective of this was to be able to easily communicate how ready different technologies were across different sectors. And there are nine steps to this process, but I'm gonna focus on these six. And I would say most mining companies like to adopt new technologies at the level nine stage. So when we're in a commercial trial or arguably when another mining company has already done that stage. But I'm going to share why actually mining companies should start to adopt technologies between level six and level seven. And this is the reason why. For a startup, the biggest difference in achieving level seven is to take that same prototype or demonstration of a technology that has been tested thoroughly in a simulated environment and do the exact same thing, but in an operating environment. And of course, we all know that's what mining companies have. But first, I wanna talk about everything that has to happen for a new technology or a startup to be able to get to this level six. We started Rockmass in 2016, but the actual technology and, and research for the, this IP started in 2012, when Joshua Marshall and Mark Gallant of the Ingenuity Labs had talked to industry and realized there was this big problem. Geotechnical data was still being collected using a pen and paper. It was still being collected using visual assessment. And this was inefficient and also not the best way to be obtaining this type of data, but there was no better way. So they started doing some research, got some core concepts down, published some papers, and this is where they entered technology readiness level one and two. They looked around the lab, they found some sensors that they could use, they built their first proof of concept, so you can see that this is definitely not a product, but with this, they are able to continue to prove out this core value of our new approach, which is access mapping. And the culmination of the PhD thesis was to write a paper and prove a couple things. One, that this new method was much faster than what was capable in the industry, and that we are able to collect the same, if not more accurate results. So, even if you know nothing about rock mechanics, it's very easy to see that these three, um, what's called stereo nets, all look very similar. And so research labs are very well funded to do all of this work. And this is the main focus of what they're trying to get to, to publish papers, to apply for new patents. But there's still a long way that technology needs to go in order to get to that commercial stage. And this is when we started Rockmass. So in 2016, we started this company to commercialize the new technology. And this is still fairly early for a mining company to engage in a project, but that's fine because there's actually a lot of support in the technology and startup ecosystem that's able to help with this stage. So in level six, maybe you have a few more prototypes being developed. It's going to be a little bit more fine-tuned. You're looking at the positioning of where does this fit in really well and where can it deliver the most value. So for us, we worked with companies or organizations such as Mars that were here today. We worked with NORCAT in Sudbury and other commercialization type organizations to help us through this stage. And so just to give you a picture of what we're doing, here's an example of some of the things we're doing at NORCAT. So 
We're testing new instrumentation. Here we are doing uh, various tests to look at the different data sets we're able to collect. And NORCAT's really a great environment to do this. John Duval has not <laughs> paid me or incentivized me to say this, but it really is a huge part of why we're able to validate this new technology. And you can do all sorts of things, bring in tons of laptops, run hundreds of tests, have snacks, uh, which would be pretty hard to do <laughs> in an operating environment. So what has a company accomplished by the time it's gotten to this stage? Typically, there is some type of commercialization partner that is worked with them. So this is the Mars, this is a NORCAT. There's some type of core technology that has shown proven benefits, either in public research or through uh, some type of lab environment. There is a prototype or typically a few prototypes that have been developed that show the core benefits. And also there's an initial understanding of, okay, where does this fit in the market? What are the core benefits that we can bring to a company? But then we hit this major hurdle where we need to do the, everything that we've done in a simulated environment, but in an operating environment. And this is where mining companies come in. And this is where there's a tremendous value in working together and being that part of the equation of technology adoption within the industry. So I'm gonna talk about our last three steps of the journey with Nexa Resources. They are a major zinc producer. They have five sites operating in South America. And we did these three steps. So demonstration in an operational environment, productization, and a commercial trial with them. But Maybe you're asking, why would Nexa want to work with a startup at this stage? Why wouldn't we just wait like other people? And one is that they're taking a proactive stance in technology adoption. You don't always know that the technology that's going to benefit your operation is going to be built because there's so many steps along the way to get there. The other is through de-risking the adoption process through a stage gate process. So instead of investing a lot of money into a trial and trying to run the trial, Nexa is able to validate the key benefits early by investing a smaller amount of money to validate those early benefits, invest another amount of money to do the productization, and then finally, when it got to the commercial trial, we had a very clear understanding of what was going on. The final point is, inevitably, through working together through the commercialization phase, and as George said, building trust, you're able to re realize peripheral benefits, so maybe your increase in return. So here's a demonstration that we did the first site visit down to Nexa. And so a couple things you'll notice, this prototype that we have is not a product. It isn't rugged, it's not going to stand up to the wear and tear that a mining industry or a mining operation needs. It's still very manual, but at this stage of the process, that's not the point. It's not supposed to be a product. It's supposed to validate those key benefits that we proved in the lab environment. So to no surprise, we were able to do just that. You can see the time savings that we were able to obtain by collecting the same amount of measurements using a compass, what they were using, and our approach. And we we're also able to validate that the accuracy between the two methods was the same. So we moved on to level eight, which is productization. And this is where you work very closely with the mining operation. And through that, you're able to ensure that the adoption of this new technology or product is able to, the likelihood of that increases. So for us, we are able to seamlessly integrate our solution into what they're already doing. We were able to design our ergonomics and health and safety considerations to the standards of Nexa. And when we went down the next time to validate these design considerations, this is a photo of when we were able to train a new technician who wasn't involved in the project how to use this within 10 minutes. 
So we're able to validate that, yes, there are these key benefits that we're able to realize, and yes, people are going to be able to easily use this and integrate it into their day-to-day. In just over a year, we're able to go from a prototype to a commercial product. And so this is the data collection solution that we have. And on the right, it is the sample output of what we're able to integrate directly to their operations. We have very clear KPIs that we are able to achieve. So we're looking at increasing the rate of mapping and decision making and improving their ground support patterns. And we also know that we're able to deliver a product that they enjoy. So on the data collection side, we're making this process streamlined. We're giving them, it's operational friendly. So we know that they can use this to collect data in areas that have rock mesh, that are dusty, that have unwashed rocks, and it's going to work. On the management side, we know that they're able to seamlessly integrate everything that we're collecting into systems that they use every day. And the whole goal here is to increase the total amount of stopes that we're able to work in and optimize the ground support patterns. So a couple things to keep in mind. New technologies don't necessarily need to be really risky. I would say when you're looking at these types of projects, it's really important to look at what is the potential upside and what is the potential downside. And if the upside outweighs the possible downside, then perhaps it's something that you can look at and go along this path. The other is looking for a win-win. So is it fair for a mining company or even a service supplier that's going down this route to want some type of commercial advantage in the long run? It's probably fair. But the really important thing to consider here is that that advantage doesn't stifle the startup's ability to grow. For example, saying something like, yeah, that's great, we're gonna develop this together, but we, as a mining company, want to hold all the intellectual property, will stifle the company's startup's ability to grow. So saying something such as, hey, we love this product, we actually wanna be the only users of this product, that will also stifle the company's ability to grow. But looking at arrangements where perhaps you have exclusivity over maybe your biggest competitor or maybe it's a, a discount on certain units, these are win-wins for the mining company and also the startup's growth trajectory. So where do startups hang out? Where can you start to build this new technology pipeline? So right here at Mars and at NORCAT and other regional innovation centers, there are many, but these were front of mind for me. Uh, at accelerators and different organizations. These also have many startups that are involved and actively going into industrial industries. And finally, if you're looking for later stage companies, then there are many that sit within venture capital portfolios that are focused on industrial innovation. And again, what are you looking for? You're looking for that level six, so having commercialization partners, having core technology and benefits proven through lab tests or published research. You want some type of prototype and proof of understanding and that product positioning piece. At this point, maybe you're thinking, this is great, but we're a pretty small mining company. We're a mining company that doesn't have that much time. And I wanna share this very quickly of how we manage the project. It didn't take a lot of time to do, but it had very clear milestones that we were able to agree upon and hit together. We did weekly calls, only 15 to 30 minutes, to just make sure that we're all on the same page Every two months, we delivered a detailed report so that we could go through all of the decisions that we validated. And then finally, those two site visits to bring our work to the end users. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you once again for listening to the Northern Miner podcast. I hope you enjoyed that presentation. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. 
leave us a review in the Apple Podcast directory. And there is a lot coming up. So we have the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame. We have PDAC. It's going to be an action-packed 2020. Happy New Year, everyone, and we'll see you next week.